Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. You can subscribe to this show on all of your favorite podcast apps. Welcome to all the new listeners out there, by the way. Tell a friend about Locked On NFL and that their team is covered elsewhere with their specific teams in the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, college, NHL, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL. Matt, Super Bowl 54 is set, and it will be the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, and good weekend of football. We got Senior Bowl coming up. That's going to be my focus pretty much these next couple of days. I'm not in Mobile, unfortunately, but I'll be watching all the practices, reading all the practice reports, doing all that good stuff. So I always love this week for that. That's kind of when I turn the page to start to really dig into the draft. We'll break down these games, but man, I haven't given the matchups for the Super Bowl a lot of thought, but these are two really good teams. I mean, I'm glad that the matchup is what it is. Mahomes, Reed, the Niners, history, Shanahan. I mean, a lot of trophies for one team, not a lot of trophies for the other, (laughs) both wearing red. I mean, I just think this is going to be a great football game, a great couple weeks of build up, and I think the right teams clearly went. And I know this isn't topical at the moment, but I still think the Ravens are on par with these two teams, and they just stumbled. Mm-hmm. And I was happy to see that Green Bay and Tennessee, not that they lost, they both had really good years, especially the Titans in, in a surprising fashion. But I think the right teams are in it. Yeah, you said something I think really important there, and it was the difference between the Titans Ravens game and the Titans Chiefs game. And We talked about this last week when we were recapping the divisional round of games. The 49ers and the Chiefs were the two scary teams. When you saw those games, you thought, okay, that team and that team, those are the two teams I don't want to play. And so those two teams are now going to play each other. And they obviously outplayed the field here in the playoffs. And I think the two right teams got in from what we saw throughout the playoffs. Let's start with the AFC side of things and the Titans at Chiefs. And the Titans had it going. And I had picked the Titans upset. I liked exactly what I saw from the Titans in the first half. This is this was the Titans' blueprint all postseason long. And they knocked off some Giants. They knocked off the Patriots. They knocked off the Ravens. Getting out to an early lead, playing good defense, uh, running the ball, making some plays in the past game, enough plays to get points on the board, have a lead, and then roll with that lead. But unfortunately... What they ran into was a much different opponent in Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs did exactly what their blueprint was the week before with the Texans. And it was the Chiefs and Mahomes that came out on top in this one. Yeah, and I feel a little justified because my, my Friday predictions were pretty pretty spot on. Yep, I expected a lot of points in this game. And I thought the Titans would keep it close and be competitive. I mean, from a betting standpoint... I thought the over and Tennessee plus seven and a half were the picks. I felt very strong about the over that hit, but I don't think the ten the Titans got blown out. I mean, they didn't embarrass themselves. I mean, a couple no. I thought they played very well for much of the game. They were just overmatched. I mean, the Chiefs are just better, and I feel like if they played that game ten times, Kansas City wins at eight or nine. I mean, they were just the better team. And I did think the way that Tennessee played football could give the tight or the Chiefs some trouble. 
I didn't know going into the game if Chris Jones would play or not. I was glad he did, and now he'll get to rest two weeks. I mean, he, even in spot duty, is a difference maker, and him and Clark have turned into a good pass-rushing duo. But two things stood out to me in that I felt like the Titans made the same mistake that the Ravens did against Tennessee in that it, it wasn't, it was too early to abandon the run. I mean, uh, frankly, I mean, they were running the ball well in the first half. Was Henry ripping off 30 yarders left and right? No, but he was doing well. And then they put it all on Tannehill and on the road with those couple of pass rushers. I thought that was too early for that. And that was similar to what Baltimore did, putting it all on Lamar when they got down. And I think it, I think in, you know, you can, you can pucker up a little bit in these games when it's, you know, there's no tomorrow. You're going to go home if you lose that you start to act a little more desperate than you should at times with play calling. Tannehill was pretty efficient. 21 of 31, 209 yards, uh, pretty, it was a short passing game for the Titans. He did have the two touchdowns and didn't throw an interception. Derrick Henry ended up with 3.6 yards per carry, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs did a good job of just limiting what they had to and allowing Patrick Mahomes to figure it out and and eventually you know, do what he does. And he had a rushing touchdown, too. So that's the scary thing about Patrick Mahomes, because you think about that cannon arm that he has, and he threw for 294 yards, three touchdowns, 120 quarterback rating. But what he can do with his legs, getting that extra bit of time with the speed he has on the outside, if you don't get to Patrick Mahomes and give him an extra amount of time, he's good enough just operating normally. But when he gets the extra time, you can't cover these wide receivers with all this speed and Sammy Watkins and especially Tyreek Hill for six, seven seconds because they'll eventually get their way open and Patrick Mahomes can find you at any point on a football field at any time. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And that was the other thing I wanted to bring up was Mahomes' legs. And in a way, it kind of reminds me of vintage Aaron Rodgers as a runner, where I'm not really a runner, but I'm a good athlete. And Mahomes is a better runner and better athlete than Rodgers ever was. But Rodgers used to be able to move pretty darn well. But if you're going to play man coverage to me on third and six without a spy, I'm going to take the easy seven slide or duck out of bounds and break your back and move the chains and then get a chance to kill you next series. You know, I mean, smart running and he is a good athlete. He can get to the edge with his speed and his great body control and balance as a runner, which also shows up, you know, throwing on the move and all those things. And to your point too, buys time so well with his athleticism and his feel for the game and his footwork. I mean, it is really remarkable considering how many games has this guy started in his life? I mean, not that many. I mean, it's advanced quarterback stuff. I mean, smart running as well as I brought up Rodgers. And one thing I always talk about Rodgers when I compare him to the all-time greats is look at all the Hall of Fame quarterbacks. His Highlight tape, Rodgers, is as good as any. His low light tape is better than everyone's. You know, I mean, never never throws picks. Well, Mahomes looks like he's on that same trajectory, too. Like, last year, I loved talking about the Chiefs before the season. So this was a while back, and this is when we didn't know anything about Mahomes. I loved them coming out of school. But I said, boy, the Chiefs in 2018 are going to be the most fun team to watch in the league because they're going to be the definition of a roller coaster. Mahomes will make a ton of big plays. He's going to farve it to other teams a fair amount, too. 
But as much as I like them coming out, the the gambles don't hurt him. You know, I mean, it's Rodgers-esque that he has the best of both worlds. It's crazy. I want to get deeper into this, talk a little bit more Mahomes. Of course, we've got to get into the NFC Championship game, Packers 49ers, next. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. That's like blue, the color blue, and chew, because you can chew it. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. That makes a lot more sense to me. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help your follow-through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked on. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. The Kansas City Chiefs offense right now, Matt, with Patrick Mahomes, the way he's throwing the football, it's amazing to throw for 4,000 yards and he missed some time this season and have only five interceptions and... Even without like, his wheels half the time. Right, yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know what I mean? and it's one thing to like what you saw from an arm, arm talent perspective and what he was as a prospect coming out. And I think some teams really had a lot of difficulty with the way he played and the offense he played in. And mm-hmm. and I think that's why some teams shied away from him in the draft. And Kyle Shanahan had talked about it. He said he was a difficult evaluation. And they decided you know, to pass on, on the idea of, of drafting someone like Patrick Mahomes. And he, so much development has happened since then because now it's not only that can he throw these crazy arm angles he's got this insane arm talent and all the physical ability but when you consider how efficient he is and holding on to the ball not turning it over but still making all the the high-end stuff and the good plays it's pretty amazing where he's come and where he's at right now and uh he's probably we've talked about this before because you know Lamar Jackson's MVP of the NFL and he deserved to be that for the regular season this year but we had always talked about, and we, we get that mailbag question often, who do you take for the next five years? And both of us answered pretty easily Patrick Mahomes, and we're seeing why, because the big play potential with the lack of mistakes is unreal right now. Yeah, it really is. And no offense to Damian Williams, but what if they use a second-round pick on one of these senior bowl backs? Or, you know, I mean, they're, they're not done adding. And my point with that is this front office, and of course Andy Reid has a gazillion things to do about with, with this, understands what a talent he is. And I remember when they added Sammy Watkins, I'm like, they don't need that guy. They're going to pay him $10 million a year. And wow, what an embarrassment <laughs> of riches. Then they add Nicole Hardman. You're like, this year I bet they add a, a, a running back that's really, really good or a bonus prize tight end, the meshing with Kelsey. Like, they just keep adding them and adding them. And it's a different structure. But, like, remember when Peyton Manning was a Colt in his prime Almost every year, they used a first-round pick on somebody around them. I mean, even like Anthony Gonzalez and Dallas Clark, let alone Reggie Wayne and Harrison and Edge and all those dudes. 
they always just kept flooding him with weapons. And in today's NFL, offense is pretty much showing to be king. I mean, with all respect to the Niners, D, just the, the offenses that these two teams have are so overpowering. And I kept getting texts from my Steeler buddies. I mean, the Steelers' offense might have been the worst in the league this year going, I don't care if Ben's a Hall of Famer, our offense isn't close to these guys. And that's what, you know, 25 teams should be looking at right now in the league. Are you a little bit worried about the slow starts in both of these games for the Kansas City Chiefs? Because at some point, will that bite them and they're not able to come back against, say, the number one pass defense in the NFL? It's noteworthy. I mean, I hadn't thought about it a whole lot. The The first game against the Texans was just so odd, and they fr- they looked very rusty. Not Mahomes. I mean, dropping punts, muffing punts, getting punts blocked, drop passes that didn't look like the Chiefs. But along those lines, Andy Reid's also like historically good with two weeks to prepare too. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think if either of the teams start slow in the Super Bowl, they're in trouble because it's a really even heavyweight fight. That's a great point. The the coaching matchup there with two guys that you don't want to have, give them extra time to prepare. So right. I think we're going to see some fun stuff as far as these offenses go with Kyle Shanahan versus Andy Reid. We should probably move on to that NFC championship game matchup, unless you have any other notes here on the AFC side. No, I don't think. I'm sure stuff will come to us throughout the week and over the next two weeks, but um, sort of what we thought they were, and maybe at some point this week we'll reflect on the Titans situation. You know, they have uh, a right tackle, a quarterback, and a running back all hitting free agency at the same time. I mean, there's some there's some things like that that we're going to have to start to discuss, too. Yeah, and a really good season by the Titans. Uh, a lot of people talk about how they're playing with house money. I don't know if the players feel that way. I'm sure it was a uh, it felt like a huge loss for the Titans, but a really good season for them. And a lot of teams looking at the Titans right now and some of those free agents, and they're thinking, ooh, who could we poach off of that roster? I like what's going on in Tennessee. And I think Mike Vrabel, if nothing else, has won the battle of who's the best Bill Belichick disciple right now. And Vrabel, I'll take Vrabel over Bill O'Brien, the head coach any day, and I'll take John Robinson over Bill O'Brien, the GM any day. Yeah, it'll be an interesting offseason. We'll talk a lot more Titans, but I also think as it stands now, very subject to change. I think most of us will probably pick the Titans to win that division. Yes, I think so. And we'll see what happens with Tannehill. And does the Tannehill train continue? Does he play this well in the large sample of a full season next year? That'll be fun to watch. And can you still love, I mean, I, I still love Deshaun Watson. Can oh, yeah. they don't have a first round pick? Can the Texans add more talent around them? Because there, there's still a lack of talent on both sides of the ball, I think, uh, in Houston, especially defensively. You saw that against Kansas City where they just came back in an instant. They need to be able to, to cover some people a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball to help Deshaun Watson out a little bit. Yeah, and the Colts have a lot of draft capital. They're picking earlier than usual. They got extra second-round picks, and they got tons of cap space, so they might look yeah. a lot different, too. I mean, think about the Colts. That's going to be a fun division again next year, yeah, isn't it? absolutely. All right, let's move on to the NFC Championship game and the San Francisco 49ers pretty much dominating wire to wire. And again, the second week in a row, the 49ers did that. And maybe the final score didn't even tell the story about how much the 49ers physically and mentally dominated a football game, 37 to 20 Niners over the Packers. Yeah. And I want to get a lot of your thoughts on this, obviously, but it's not a real hard game to break down. (laughs) I mean, I, I think my 12 year old could probably offer about as much as I can on this one. Um, a few things that stood out, obviously, 
Mostert in the running game was remarkable, and the Packers' run defense was flat-out embarrassing. But both sides deserve credit or discredit for that. Jimmy throws the ball nine times. I mean, <laughs> enough said. I mean, you put up that many points in, an, in a championship game to go to the Super Bowl and you throw the ball nine times just because you don't have to is crazy. You don't even bother. You don't even need to use George Kittle. I mean, like, enough said. It's crazy. Um, and then Rodgers, he put up good numbers. I didn't think he played well. I didn't think he looked comfortable. I didn't think he liked the rush. I didn't think he trusted his receivers, not named Devontae Adams, and put the ball in harm's way more than he usually does. I brought him up as a Mahomes comparison in terms of not of not having a low-light tape. Oh, he had some low-light moments and looked a little old and weary to me in a rough environment, and I didn't feel like he really wanted to be there a lot of the time. Yeah, there was about, what, two and a half quarters of intrigue of uh, a total of these eight quarters of football from the AFC and NFC championship games. And most of it was that early part of the Tennessee Titans and Kansas City Chiefs game, because this one was wire to wire for the 49ers. And you mentioned it there, the turnovers that we don't see from Rodgers. That is something that happened in this game. The 49ers were able to force two interceptions, one by Emmanuel Mosley, one sealed it at the very end of the game from Richard Sherman when Rodgers was just airing it out and trying to make some plays. And then the 49ers went into victory formation immediately following that Richard Sherman interception. But there's also three fumbles on one of them goes to Aaron Rodgers, but he actually only fumbled the ball twice. One of them was a center exchange where he never even put his hand on the ball. But two fumbles and two interceptions for Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a big story. Two of Aaron Rodgers' worst games in his career have been this season against the 49ers. And so that's where I was asking the question about Patrick Mahomes versus the best pass defense in the NFL. If they get down two scores against the 49ers, it's not going to be as easy to come back as it was against the Texans and the Titans, even though those are, you know, solid football teams and playoff football teams. And Aaron Rodgers, his final line looks much better than what it looked like when you watched this game. He was 31 of 39 for 326 yards passing. The two picks, two inter- or, yeah, two touchdowns, two interceptions, his quarterback rating was 97.2. I thought that was an awful game, and his QBR is 22.3, which is very low. That's a big that's a big difference between QBR and quarterback rating, and I know the completion percentage is big for quarterback rating, so I think that props it up. But if you just looked at the box score, you saw 37 to 20. Rodgers threw for 326 yards, 97.2 rating. You thought, oh, they were kind of in this game. It was probably a pretty good game, and then the Niners pulled away, and that was not the case at all. No, no, you're right. I mean, it's... A big thing we were talking about last week was some of these older quarterbacks, or almost all the older quarterbacks, really dislike a great pass rush. And the Niners are a great pass rushing team with freaks of nature all over that line. They don't have to blitz to get to you. And Rodgers was coming off a great game, and I didn't lump him in that group, but just threw it out there that Rivers, Eli, Brady, Breeze, you know, late in the year, they don't move as well to get out of the way. Their creaky bones don't like getting hit. And, you know, much like Matthew McConaughey, I mean, they keep getting older and defenses stay the same age, you know, I mean, like high school girls. And it, it's a nasty, aggressive group. And Rodgers looked like he was done. You're not, I'm not saying he's done. That's that, that the wrong word that came out of my mouth there, that he just didn't want to be there after a while. And that has to reflect rough on the rest of the team. Give the Packers some credit, though, in that late in the fourth quarter, they didn't roll over. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a point there that my 
by Niners minus seven and a half actually worried me <laughs> in the fourth <laughs> quarter. But then San Francisco clamped that out pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers here. Let's look at the other side of the football and the star on the 49ers side of the ball next. We mentioned Rodgers' line. Jimmy Garoppolo dropped back eight times, completed six passes, and it's the second week in a row the 49ers said, you know what? You can't stop the run. Why even mess around? We're going to run right through you, and you can't stop it. They ran the ball 47 times against the Vikings. They ran it 42 times against the Packers, and the story here was the guy who's bounced around, never had a carry for six different teams in the NFL until he got to the 49ers. That is Raheem Mostert, who's been a special teams gunner most of his career, but is crazy explosive, has developed his game as a running back, had some fumble problems early in his 49ers career when he was carrying the ball in preseason games and, and getting a little bit of a shot under Kyle Shanahan. But in this game, after the Tevin Coleman injury, carried the load, 29 rushes for 220 yards and four touchdowns. The 220 yards and the four touchdowns are the second all-time ever for a player, a running back in the playoffs. And so that that's just insane production. The 49ers ran it straight down the Packers' throat. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's the takeaway is, again, I thought the Packers' run defense was a little embarrassing. I thought they later in the games turned down some tackles and things that they should have played a little harder with. But give Mostert credit. I mean, I'm sure those multiple, multiple teams that had him in their camp or their practice squad that moved on from him are regretting it now. He's fast, and as you said, he's explosive. He's a no-nonsense guy that realizes, hey, this might be not – this league is not for long. I'm going to give it all I got. Keep putting it on my back right now. Reasonably fresh legs as January goes because he wasn't the bell cow start to finish like some of these top backs. Um, You see it every year that some of these guys kind of come from nowhere. Damian Williams was that guy a year ago. Um, And – all the credit in the world to Mostert. That's that's great. And Coleman got hurt in this game. It looks like, I mean, I, you probably know more about this than I do, but it, that looked bad. I'm sure he's not going to be around for the Super Bowl. Um, but I also kind of thought they kept showing Daddy Shanahan. And I'm like, I like Mostert, sure, but he's Orlandis Gary. He's Williams. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's the system. I mean, the system's so good that I bet when I, they reconvene in the offseason, Shanny and Lynch are going to be like, we don't need to spend $8 million on a McKinnon or $6 million on a Coleman. Let's just keep finding offensive linemen and system players that fit us, and we can find backs to fit it. And it's not just outside zone, outside zone. I mean, it's a very diverse running game, too. And, boy, when Juszczyk and Kittle are in there and humming, it's hard to beat. You have to give credit to the guys up front, too. Obviously, a lot of it's the Shanahan scheme and – I'm with you, man. Whatever undrafted uh, day three running backs you want to bring in, that's fine. And I have a feeling Shanahan doesn't feel that way, and he wants the most talent also at that position. He's put money into that position with McKinnon and with Tevin Coleman, and who knows, he might even draft some players higher than I would advise that they do because you can find undrafted running backs like Matt Breida, who's five yards per carry, and and Raheem Mostert. And look, Raheem Mostert, there's a lot with the offensive line played so well. You have to give credit to all those guys. Kittle, use check in the run game, the scheme. But Raheem Mostert's even playing at another level higher than the rest of the guys on his own roster and inside that scheme. And there's only one player in the NFL that has 
averaged six yards per carry over the course of 178 carries the past two seasons, and it's Raheem Mostert. And he had 7.6 yards per carry in this game. And in half of his carries in this game, the Packers knew what were coming, and they still couldn't stop it. And you're right, there were some business decisions in the second uh, level of that team, but I would put Raheem Mostert, and now that I've seen him more and more, and I've been... I've been pounding the table for him to get a lion's share of the carries, even over Tevin Coleman, who's pretty good, and even over Matt Breida, who I think is really good too, but has fumbled the ball a little bit late in the year now and is kind of in the doghouse and hasn't seen the field very much. Raheem Mostert deserves to be in a category of some of the freaker running backs in the league with his explosive ability. That burst he has is legitimate, and I don't know why it took so long for him to get carries in the NFL, but when he sees that hole and he hits that gear... He's got some special ability, so don't sell Raheem Mostert short either. He is an explosive running back. He is, and you might know this, if not, no big deal, but I think he has a track background, and I know he went to an obviously a very small school, but he's fast and explosive with a burst, and he's not super straight line-ish like some of those track guys are too. I mean, he can bend the corner. He can get low can change directions a little bit. I mean, he's not Barry Sanders, but he is explosive and exactly what that scheme loves. Yeah, he was a big-time track guy in college. I think he had okay. a 10 to 100-yard dash. So, yeah, the speed is not a question. And he even looks like he has extra burst on top of Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida, who are both 4-3 guys in their own right. And uh, most of a 4-3 guy, too. But, yeah, he runs behind his bad pads. He gets really square, and he sees it and... There was a couple of runs in this game where the secondary didn't get a hand on him when you thought they might have had an angle, and he bursts through that gap and right in between the safeties and splits them on his way to the end zone. It's it's pretty phenomenal to watch that offense run, and when you give him three and a half yards per carry before contact, and then he's gaining four more yards per carry after contact, that's frightening. And we'll see if the Kansas City Chiefs can do a better job than either the Vikings or the Green Bay Packers have so far in the playoffs. And what's frightening as well is... You can do that to a playoff caliber team and a playoff caliber defense with a lot of, you know, highly athletic guys on it and put up those kind of points without using Kittle, Debo, or Manny's receiving skills. You know, like, I mean, Debo, you can hand it to him here and there, and boy, he looks better every time I see him. He's really coming into his own. I thought he might just be a really good receiver where I'm not starting to think now he might be a a number one, a star type guy. We know what Kiddo is, and Sanders has been an awesome addition. But we don't really need you guys yet. <laughs> We're still going to blow these guys out. Yeah, right? it's like, st- stay fresh. Keep working yeah, that jugs right, right. machine. We're going to throw you the ball more maybe in a couple of weeks, but today you can just kind of kick it. And those guys are out. The guys outside, too, Manny, Sanders, and, and especially Debo's yeah. a physical player. They're blocking on the second level. That helps those rushing numbers as well for the 49ers. It's uh, it's all 10 guys, and, and even Jimmy Garoppolo pancake, pancaked a guy last week. Do you remember that play where he got out in yeah. front and blocked a guy? So basically all 11 guys on offense are impactful in the 49ers run game right now. A quick note on Raheem Mostert and the 49ers and Raheem Mostert himself maybe owe his career to Chip Kelly, which is somewhat surprising. And I was looking at all the, you know, a lot has been made about all the teams that cut Raheem Mostert. Chip Kelly's Eagles were the first team originally to sign Mostert in 2015 as an undrafted rookie, added him to their practice squad. I believe he got signed off of their practice squad to Miami, then got cut multiple times by multiple teams Then in 2016, as head coach of the 49ers, one of the last transactions Chip Kelly ever made in the NFL was to add Raheem Mostert to the 49ers roster. So 
Chip Kelly added him twice, and the last time was in 2016, and I think it was in November, adding him to the 49ers. So an interesting little tidbit there. Yeah, and I, I heard something today along the lines of right before every kickoff or when he's in the locker room preparing for every game, he goes and pulls up his transaction history, you know, of all the different teams that were cut him and moved on from and uses that as an inspiration, which, you know, all, all these guys have some, a lot of these guys have a, uh, that chip on their yep. shoulder. I mean, Rogers and Brady even, I mean, that are all time greats, but you can see why that would motivate you in that, boy, all these people thought I couldn't do it. And I could get cut just as easily tomorrow still, you know, I mean, it's just how the league works. So I'm going to run like a madman with my hair on fire. Absolutely. Uh, we've got to get more into the 49ers team and, uh, there's some people that think they're skeptical about the 49ers pass game because Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't had to throw the ball the last couple of games. I think that's a topic for another day because we're out of time here, Matt. But we've got a Super Bowl matchup now set and emphatic wins by both the Chiefs and 49ers. They will be in Miami February 2nd. And actually, the early line is out and the Chiefs favored by one. Hmm, Interesting. By one. I bet that goes... Even Niners by one. And over these two weeks, I bet that go that both teams end up favored at some point. And I love that line. The Vegas is like, ah, we'll give we'll give KC an extra point here. But essentially, that's a toss up game. Neutral field, 49ers and Chiefs. It should be a fun Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. And I think they're the right teams to be in it. Lots of storylines. Great coaching. I mean, great fan bases. It's going to be phenomenal. Yep. The coaching matchup. Can Andy Reid get his? Kyle Shanahan blew the 28 to 3 lead as offensive coordinator. I'm sure that's his chip on his shoulder right now, coaching to try to get himself a ring that a lot of people blame him for losing with the Falcons a few years ago. So, uh, yeah, a lot of storylines here between the Chiefs and the 49ers coming up. And we'll get into all of those storylines, I'm sure, in the next two weeks right here. And by the way, it's draft season for the other 30 teams yeah. in the NFL, so we're going to get heavy into the NFL draft here in the offseason as well on Locked On NFL.